They say a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Which is why this podcast is certified 100% fact-free. Thanks to Hedwig and Carlo for their support. Well, hello and welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. In paper, today's probably bad idea. Ugh. Your characters are the only ones who are aware of the supernatural and must ensure that no one else learns about it. Every other group of people on Earth also thinks that they're the only ones who are aware of the supernatural and must ensure no one else learns about it. I just I think this... this one because it immediately gives me the vibe of undercover police arrested for trying to buy drugs from undercover police pretending yeah. to be drug dealers. Like. I just think it's a hilarious twist on a supernatural, like, urban fantasy uh, game. Like, you do Vampire the Masquerade, and you're vampires. And absolutely everyone else in the world is also a vampire, but each of them thinks that they're only their small group of people are vampires. Like, during the day, everything shuts down, but everyone pretends they did things during the day. And obviously no one knows that nothing actually happens during the day because they are all vampires. So you're saying that society is just a lie? Yeah, like, because vampires... So there's a thing with vampires. A vampire bites you and you turn into a vampire. And then you then bite someone and turn into a vampire. And someone did a thing of, like, if vampires were real, then statistically everyone would now be a vampire. Yeah, the the whole vampire pyramid scheme thing I think we've covered before. But what if that is just what happens? Like, everyone one by one has become a vampire, but each person is only aware of them and the vampire that turned them and is trying to hide from everyone. Like, everyone keeps making excuses as to why they don't show up at work during the day, which means no one has discovered nobody shows up to work during the day. Everyone does night shifts now. I like this a lot. Because, like, in the world of darkness, vampires can drink vampire blood, so... That's all that's all fine. So you buy another vampire and it's like, oh no, you have caught me, a human. Yeah, like they're just like, oh no, I, I definitely don't have supernatural powers. Uh, and then the next day they, they bite you, a vampire, and you go, oh no, I definitely don't have supernatural powers. Yeah, I do feel like that is the one issue with this, is that you would you'd bump into each other. Um, everyone's just too awkward to bring it up. Yeah, that tracks. I also, like, I like it also with werewolves, where every full moon, everyone locks themselves in a basement. I mean, don't you? <laughs> no, I definitely don't do that, a wink. I do love this concept of people just don't discuss it, like the hmm. supernatural elephant in the room. I mean, I do like the idea of a setting where it's not so much that the supernatural is hidden, it's just that the supernatural is considered extremely uncouth to talk about. Like, it's probably an analogy that's going to cause controversy, but you know how in the past you had people who, you know, were definitely straight, they were just single and lived with a person of the same gender for their ah. entire life. Yeah, confirmed bachelors. 
Yeah, like, same principle. Of course, like, Ted is a human. Sure, he never goes out on the day at day or eats, but I'm sure that's just, like, a personal affectation. Like, everyone knows the supernatural is real, but no one ever, like, wants to discuss it. I, just... I like this a lot. Hmm. I, I do also like the, the idea in, in this of... Yeah, because... Something that always bothers me in sort of urban fantasy type stuff is when it isn't like, oh, the this supernatural creature is actively predatory. Yeah. There never seems to be a good reason not to tell the non-supernatural beings. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm looking at you, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> um, and I just like the idea of just like, it just never came up. Yeah. I, I also do like the supernatural beings, like, I, I assumed everyone knew there were, like, a dozen new bloodless corpses with bite holes in the neck each night. I assumed people had figured it out and were just being polite. Which is kind of the approach of, like, I know a lot, again, queer allegory, a lot of queer people do, which is just, rather than having to come out to people, just acting as though you already did. Hmm. We should probably stop making the blood-sucking corpse monsters into queer allegories. On the other hand... Vampires are pretty gay. The thing is, when, when we queer people do it, it's empowering. True. And I also just kind of like the idea of Again, just acting like you've already told someone, like, oh, no, I can't meet up with you that day. It's a full moon. And just looking at them, daring them to ask if you're a werewolf. I, I might stop trying that when I'm in a social meeting I don't want to go to. Yeah, no, I can't go. I can't go. I checked and every route crosses running water. Sorry. Um, and then I just... I also do make like the idea of like someone who is clearly a supernatural being and everyone's trying to figure out which like, but it's radically unclear which one it is. And rather than being played for like horror, this is just played for confusion. I have seen them during the day, but I'm, I've never seen them touch iron. See, I, I am now imagining like a, a fairly social game. That is just try to figure out what supernatural creature the DM is portraying. Okay, so I think the issue is we have we are getting progressively close to just reinventing one night ultimate werewolf. See, the thing is that one does have the name of the creature on the box. Yeah, one night I, ultimate. I was thinking something. more like, oh, is there's this really pale person who I've never seen them eat, or like they don't really seem to go out. And it's like, are they a vampire? Are they a zombie? Are they a ghost? Or are they emo? I just, an actual idea I just came up with. I do like your one night ultimate something. It's a world of darkness. And your characters like, you know, you, you your characters now. But you've lost your memory. So you have to figure out which supernatural thing you are. Without dying in the process. 
Yeah, because obviously, you know, you don't want to just walk into the sunlight in case the answer's a vampire. But, like, we just pick a random game book and you have to figure out which one the GM's using. I do like that, because I think we've had an idea that's similar to that before, that was, like, hmm. you don't get in any of the information on your character sheet until you come across yeah. it naturally. Yeah. I, I feel like this is the World of Darkness version of that. Yeah, and I think it's a good setting for that, given that if the premise is you didn't know about the supernatural until, like... Ooh, actually, that would be interesting. Because in, like, these urban fantasy settings, you know, people generally have the concept of vampires and werewolves and so forth. Yeah. Like, even if they don't believe they exist. And it would be interesting if you were turned to a vampire, but in a setting where just even the myths of vampires don't exist. And it'd be interesting to see how long you could give across the clues before the people actually put the pieces together if you didn't initially tell them that's what you were doing. What about in a setting where the like say the predominant vampire myth is, you know, your standard North European vampire. Yeah. And it turns out vampires are real, but they follow the Chinese rules. I actually do really like that. Just yeah, all vampire myths are false. Um real vampires shoot their heads out and run around on their intestines. But they're still considered incredibly sexy. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that's the one universal thing among vampires. I think I do like this idea of just yeah, it turns out that it's not just, you know, a little bit wrong. All of the myths that you know about vampires are wrong, and you need to figure out how vampires actually work before this vampire bites you, as you need to get over your internalized anti-vampire phobia. Yeah, I like this because it's a way of tricking players into playing something with your own new supernatural creature. And it's yeah. like, no, it's definitely a vampire. It can go out in the sunlight and doesn't drink blood, but it's it's it says vampire right there. Vampire to fuck you, shut up. <laughs> I think that's a good point to move on to questions. Hi, I'm Hazel and I present the Bread and Thread podcast with Liz, also known as Paper from Probably Bad. Um, Bread and Thread is a podcast about food history and domestic history and generally social history. We delve into a lot of different things. So if you'd like to know which country has laws against importing sheep, what cookbook will tell you how to make a great martini and also how to survive a nuclear bomb attack, uh, or why you are using a fork right now, then come over to Bread and Thread and give us a listen. You can find us on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are, I don't know. Okay, our first question has accidentally minimised itself. Our first question is anonymous. Hi, I don't know who else to ask, but I need help. Please bear with me. 
My wizard, an absolute weirdo, has been collecting body parts for scientific purposes. At first it was trying to turn a cursed bodak head back into a human head, but now it's just a habit. Anyway, I'm wondering what I can do with this collection now it's grown significantly. Obvious answer is to make a flesh golem, but I'm trying to think of other options. Any ideas? Upholstery. I feel like those were both solid starts. <laughs> I mean, you could sew them together into some sort of meat puppet and use it as mm. as bait. Okay, what you do is you grind them up into powder. You spray the powder like over the enemy and they're like, haha, that didn't do anything. And then you cast True Resurrection. So that they end up inside of the resurrected person who presumably immediately explodes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like hold person but needlessly horrifying. I'm not sure it would do much actual damage. Psychological. To... Well, yeah, but I... <laughs> they're already, you know, some sort of horrendous creature that may or may not even be sentient. So I'm not sure how helpful this would be. It counts as, I'd say it counts as like a detect sentient spell. Like What about the other party members? <laughs> you know, you'll know if they're sentient or not too. You could sew the parts together in an attempt to convince the big bad that you did do a Frankenstein. Mm. But you didn't actually do a Frankenstein because that would be horrific. Yeah, like if you don't know the spell to actually do it, you, you've got a great chance to bluff. What you need is to have a small member of your party be inside and animate it like a mascot suit. Perfect. Like the world's most horrifying animatronic, come at me Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> oh gosh. Clockwork stuff does exist in D&D. You could yeah. just make a meat animatronic. Yeah, people try and cast, like, you know, anti-undead spells on it, but jokes on them, this is a clock I've covered in human faces. Worst clock face. <laughs> yeah. You can make... Be like, his name. Actually, yeah, you have a lot of, like, opportunities for puns here as well. Like, if one of your players is... One of your party members is like... Hey, we're doing badly in this fight. Give me a hand. You've got the ideal opportunity for, like, a classic sight gag. There's something afoot. Why don't you come out and face me? You see, there's all kinds of options here. What I'm learning here is how many phrases contain body parts. What like, if you, you know... put them all in a bag of holding? Mm. And if you ever need to make a quick escape, just turn it inside out. I was thinking swap it with, you know, I can't remember the magical bag that contains, like, you know, lots of little animals. Mm -hmm. But put them in a bag of holding and swap it with your druid's bag of little animals as a fun prank. That is a fun prank. <laughs> but what I've discovered is, have you considered, like, being incredibly hilarious uh, and or getting bludgeoned to death by your party? There must be an actual practical use you can put these to. I mean, I, I assume the actual practical use is Frankenstein or necromancy. Or soup. Or soup. 
Yeah, actually, yeah. You if you're being attacked by like a monster that's just hungry, you can throw it a snack. You could get like a lot of hungry, hungry like. So in D and D, you get a lot of things which are of reasonable levels of intelligence, but don't really have motivations beyond get food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could presumably get a lot of them on your side of like, hey. If you follow me around, you can have all of this pile of meat. I mean, that probably would work with a lot of creatures. Yeah. And also possibly me. If you want mod paper to fight your enemies, now you've got an in. You can confirm that they are better at fighting than me. That makes it sound like I've beaten you up. I can confirm that they have decapitated me at least once. You got better. Mm, I borrowed a head off this guy. Um, ooh, it's time to get ahead. There's another one. Nice. I need to keep an eye out for this guy. Um, before I just go on to making more body part related puns, uh, our next question. Wait, I have o- another one. Okay. You can use them for testing the artificer's potions out. Yeah. It's more actually, ethical than animal testing, right? You can also use them to detect traps, actually. So it's like, okay, there's a hallway. There's probably a trap here. You just roll heads down it. While playing bowling sound effects, presumably. Yeah, this is this is the new Wii Bowling re- uh, reboot. Even Wii Bowling is getting a gritty reboot. Yeah, grim and gritty um, Wii Sports Resort now set during uh, Attack by Necromancers. Music's unchanged, but you've got to, like, fight off their undead hordes by rolling severed heads at them. I like it. There's, there's, a, there's an RPG idea. <laughs> so, yeah, um... We do have a second question. I just wanted to make a joke about animal testing. Um, So second question is also anonymous. What's the best snack for a Curse of Stroud game? I want to be on theme. The GM. The GM. (laughs) Like, I assume you've already considered the stuff that I guess I would consider obvious, like um, blood sausage and things like that. Everyone just gets a thermos full of tomato soup. Or just drink ketchup straight from the bottle. Oh, I think I think I would actually throw up. Every time you throw a crit- get a critical success, succeed by downing a bottle of ketchup. See, this is turning into a different idea, which is the <laughs> drinking game. Yeah, but it's ketchup. Um, I mean, I guess wine is fitting. Assuming you don't want to get ketchup hammered. Like, I don't wine think is he's... fitting, but also he doesn't drink wine. <laughs> You're allowed to have wine as long as you make that joke every time someone offers you wine. You can like... have wine, but you can't drink it. It's just a prop. Hmm. Like, the issue I has, have is most of the things I associate with, like, aristocratic vampires aren't really snacks. Like, you usually pitch them ha- putting a full meal in front of themselves. No, like, 
they they give food to people. Yeah. Like I, I'm pretty sure in the like month that Jonathan Harker spends at Dracula's castle, he probably does eat at some point. Yeah, I mean they eat, but like you know, it's more like my point is again, it's more meals. You don't really imagine like Count Dracula going, "Here you go, have a have Pringles." You could just go in the other direction and have garlic soup with garlic bread. Yeah. Or, so you might need to branch out, because you can't really imagine, like, you know, Dracula having a snack. Or even offering someone a snack, like, you can't imagine Dracula going, would you like cheese and onion Pringles, or that kind of thing. But you're more Orlok-like vampires, the more kind of hideous little undead monsters. Like, they get snacks, you see them just grabbing a rat and eating it. So just give your players a big plate of rats. You can get gummy rats, like, life-size. Yeah, that might... Like, I guess spooky gummies might actually not be a terrible idea. It's yeah. Mentioned, it's mentioned in Buffy the Vampire Slayer that vampires love candy because uh, they have heightened sense of taste and it doesn't have any actual food in it. That seems like a cop-out. It does, but... If you just give everyone gummies, grapes, I guess. The heightened sense of taste is interesting, though, because like there's a thing about super tasters liking certain foods and not liking mm. certain foods. Super tasters. I am. I am now googling. We are doing research. Yeah, like super. Super tasters apparently really don't get on with like bitter stuff and really like bland food. So mm. if vampires have a heightened sense of taste, could I suggest boiled skinless chicken breast? Your player walk players walking, I, I give you uh, I've got snacks for everyone, and you just put a single uncooked potato on each of their plates. Oh no, you've got to cook the potato. But an yeah, a single does have a flavor, and it's not pleasant. A, a single boiled potato with no seasoning or like toppings, and you're just—that's what a vampire would eat. <laughs> or just yeah, and you could go to this to having Count Strahd during all of his like sinister monologues, just eating a bag of boiled potatoes. He gets those crisps where you add the salt yourself, but then never adds the salt. This is hmm. plain crisps. You just go into his lair and he's just lying on his back, pouring an entire, like, tub of porridge into his mouth. <laughs> the cottage cheese of Strad. Uh, I don't think we've answered this question at all. Um... But we sure killed some time. <laughs> Um, we'll... I think the answer probably is spooky gummies. Yeah, either spooky gummies or like little meat things, like cocktail sausages and stuff. I did come across a place near near me that sells a chocolate anatomically correct heart. If you could get that, that would be a good one. That would be a good one. Um, I still think the GM is most on brand. It is, but it might make it harder to actually finish the session 
Uh, it adds a time constraint to the GM in that they've got to yell instructions while being chased around the room by their players, and they've got to complete the session before the players catch and devour them. And I guess running a pre-made adventure can be a little boring at some times, mm. so it's, it is good to spice it up a bit. Yeah, uh, if you feel that your GM's adventure is getting a little dull, uh, you know, express this so maturely by grabbing them and biting off their nose. Specifically the nose? Yeah, like, you start with the nose and then you move on to other body parts. Okay. So we've done our, like, you know, contractual obligation, uh, contact, contractual encouragements of murder. We have. Um, that was quite short. Should we do one more question? Yeah, let's yeah. do one more question. Uh, Anon. They're all anonymous. How would you create allied neutral dragon NPCs? Take a dragon and make it not a dick. I feel like they maybe wanted more information than that. Like, so you've got, I mean, you've got good dragons, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I feel that's sort of cheating. Because, you know, I think the important thing is that a dragon is going to not, like, it's going to be hard to have an allied dragon where it would be less effective, where it'd be more effective to send a party than it would be to send an allied dragon. You know? Yeah, I can see it maybe working if your enemy is a dragon that is stronger than that dragon. Hmm. Yeah, I think like if, if you're you fighting, you know, an ancient Dracolich or something, you're like, hey, we need some help from, I guess, this blue guy. Ooh, I have an idea. So dragons, you know, they're big, they're powerful, they're immortal, they're super intelligent. Mm -hmm. uh, dragons run everything. Uh, but they find it easier not to let people know this. And dragon slayers are people who are sent by some dragons to kill other dragons, like they're all political pawns. Um, so you are a party of dragon slayers working for a dragon to disposably kill off its um, enemies in a way that looks like it's just, oh, it's just they were slayed by a dragon. Oh, that happens like sometimes. That. Like, all adventuring guilds are run by different dragons with the intention of killing off any rivals to the dragons. Because the dragons can't kill each other because it's against their code of honour or something. Yeah, yeah like, if, if the dragons know that a dragon is killing other dragons, they'll all team up to kill that dragon. Mm. But, you know, if this all of this dragon's rivals just happen to be killed by, uh, you know, adventuring parties, that's just bad luck, right? Do you also given... like the idea of a... Sorry, you finish. I was going to say, yeah, because every other dragon is doing the same thing. Obviously, no one wants to investigate because then people might go, oh, yeah, but isn't it suspicious that a load of your rivals were killed by adventurers? Yeah, I, I do like the idea of a dragon as a quest giver. Hmm. I do like the idea of a dragon as a quest giver. And what I was specifically thinking is the idea of, like, this is how the dragon builds its horde without no. having to go out into danger itself, is it sends adventurers out to find whatever it is it collects and bring it back to the cave. Mm, that is neat. So I, I, like, I do feel like this would explain why adventuring adventurers are a profession, because they're all being funded by vampires and are pawns of vampires, either to kill rivals or to get treasure. I also do like the third option of the dragon is sending the party because what it wants to do 
is just really boring and it doesn't care about it. Like you've been sent by the dragon to pick up its paperwork. Dragon wants you to get its dry cleaning. Yeah. Um, I guess it could be something that maybe requires more subtlety than a 30-ton fire-breathing lizard monster can do. Oh, yeah, because there's like... I can't remember which kind it is, but there's a kind of dragon that likes to hoard works of art. Yeah. Which I, I feel like blue, is probably very difficult it. to collect when yeah. you are literally gargantuan. Yeah, like... So you have to send people to go and rob the museums for you. Actually, I mean, actually, to be fair, things, been, things are too weak for the dragon to do might include, like, if a, hu- if a dragon is annoyed at a human, but a human is in the city and the dragon doesn't want to just raise the city to the ground, it's going to have a real problem going after them because they're going to look up and notice a fire-breathing dragon and go, well, I'm leaving, uh, mm-hmm. probably faster than dragon find them. So you're the, drag- you're, you're the dragon's hitmen against people who, like, yeah, are too difficult to catch when you're 50 foot tall and disintegrate everything you touch. I feel like the conclusion we're coming to is the way that you create neutral or allied dragon NPCs is just by having dragons hire people to do crime. Yeah. I mean, Dragon Crime Lord is a great idea. It wears a little fedora. Um, The Dragon Mafia. Yeah. It's got it's got a hoard of gold coins and it goes along and flips all of them in sequence. <laughs> Actually, I do love the idea of Dragon Crime Boss. There's nothing that says an offer you can't refuse quite like a monster twice the size of your house landing on your lawn. Yeah. It could even be a case of, like, everyone assumes that the crime boss has, like, just this big lizardy monster they feed minions to, feed enemies to. And people don't realise the big lizardy monster is a dragon and the person actually pulling the strings. Especially, like, the idea of it maybe being the quote-unquote crime boss is charmed by the dragon. Yeah, doesn't really actually know what they're doing. I like that. And their arch enemy is Dragon Cop, who is like a good 20% less destructive than the average cop. Yeah, so yeah, we've got Dragon Crime Boss. And Dragon... There's also the one who wants his dry cleaning doing, which I feel is more for starter NPCs. That's the one that you use to level up enough that the Dragon Crime Boss will notice you. What what was what does a dragon need dry cleaning? They don't tend to wear clothes. That's its hoard. It hoards fancy clothes that are dry clean only. <laughs> it has my hoard of socks. And sometimes they get adventurer blood on it. I, I this is this isn't a related question, but it, I do like just you slay the dragon, you go in to get its hoard, and it's just left socks. And this dragon was just really weird. Only left socks. This dragon has scoured the land of everyone's left socks. I don't think socks have a left. Gonna have to tell this to the dragon. (laughs) (laughs) The dragon has someone that just comes in and embroiders a tiny L on all of the socks. 
That's that's your party. They're hired by the dragon to embroider L's on all of the socks. Now make me 80 dexterity checks and fuck off. Have you ever, have you ever just realised that your players are a bunch of assholes and you don't want to talk to them anymore? We've got you covered. <laughs> um, on that note, um, I don't know why it's on that note, but it is. I feel that that that's the highlight of our of our podcasting career, you know. Um, if you have a question. You can message Bad Probably on Twitter, Probably Bad RPG Ideas on Tumblr, or email Probably Bad Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to support us and get things like a homebrew rubber duck themed dragon, or bonus episodes, or just access to our Discord server where we talk nonsense about RPGs. You can go to patreon.com slash probably bad RPG ideas. Um, or if you want to review or rate us wherever you're listening to us, that would also be cool because then more people would listen to us. And we would like that. So thank you for listening and remember to have a probably bad day. And remember to have a probably bad day.